Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. How are you guys doing today? So I am Pastor Sean. I'm still getting to know a lot of you guys. My wife is Pastor Raylene. She's uh, back with the kids today. Um, I think she's helping with the toddlers, so we should say a pray f- prayer for the kids. <laughs> Jesus bless them. <laughs> Keep them healthy. Um, yeah, so today I want to talk about stepping out in faith in 2018. And uh, I just want to encourage all of us and encourage myself even to, to take um, every single day and find an opportunity to risk a little bit for the kingdom of God. Um, I got a a chance to hang out with a a guy I admire for a few days. His name is Robbie Dawkins. And one of the things that he says is that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And so a lot of times, um, if you're wondering, how can I put faith into action or how can I practice faith? A great way to do that is to dial up or increase the risk, the risks that you're taking in, in your life for the kingdom of God. And so maybe that means, you know, telling somebody you never met for the first time, um, hey, Jesus really loves you. Is there anything I can pray for you? Or maybe that's you see somebody with a cane or a brace and you, and you just approach them and ask, hey, can I, can I pray for you for healing? Or um, start up a conversation and, and just see if there's a way that you could take a second to pray for them. And so I want to encourage all of us to, to have more of those God moments in our, in our daily lives um, because God wants to heal people. He wants to touch people. He wants to reach people for the kingdom of God here in church, but he also wants to do it out there. Um, I met a man in an Albertson's grocery store in El Paso and uh, just had this impression to pray for him. So we started talking. Turns out he's a believer really excited about what Jesus is doing. We got to pray for his back, and God touched him. It was cool. But what was even better was the conversation that we had for, like, 30 minutes in the Albertsons. And he was a grocer there, and he's used to helping all kinds of people out. But he told me, you know, a lot of times I'll just be working, and I don't know why, but somebody will come up to me and start telling me their problems. They're crying, and I don't know why people do this. And I said, you know, it's the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's that you're willing to, to take a second and to listen, and to really care about them, and to pray for them, and, and God ministers through you. And I told him, I said, um, you know, there's people that'll never step foot in a church, but everybody has to go to the grocery store. And so a lot of us think of, of missions or missionaries as just people in a faraway land, but we can all be on the mission field at Albertsons or at Walmart or at Costco. For me, I'm there a lot because it's better than Sam's. I'm just kidding. So so I just want to talk about that today. We want to talk about stepping out in faith. Um, I want to give you a little bit of of my history. Uh, Raylene and I have been married for 10 years, and I just turned 30 this year. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty awesome. It's been a wild ride. We went up to the International House of Prayer when we first got married, did an internship there, and then um, came back to El Paso 
to help establish a house of prayer there called the Justice House of Prayer El Paso, which is led by Betty Stangolini. And they've kind of transitioned lately, and they're focused more on the on a house of prayer that they kind of an offshoot of that one that started in, in Mexico and in Juarez right across the border. And what's really amazing is that they now have um, most of the hours covered 24-7 just through all the churches coming together in unity and taking like an hour a day or an hour a month to just pray and pray for the city of Juarez. And they went through a really terrible, violent time, but um, God really shifted and changed the, the atmosphere of Juarez through prayer, prayer and through evangelism, you know, there was uh, teams of ministers and pastors that would go to the streets when it was the worst of the worst, when people were getting kidnapped and murdered, and they would share the gospel, and they would go door-to-door and share the gospel until that violence shifted and changed. And so it's pretty amazing what God did there. And then um, a couple years ago, we felt like God was calling us kind of out of the house of prayer and back into the more traditional church world. And so um, we got the opportunity to go to a little church in El Paso, um, kind of central El Paso called Paseo. So we spent the last year or so there um, just helping with their, kind of their media team, helping establish that. And then Pastor Josh came to visit El Paso, and uh, we had an awesome discussion about what God was doing here in Overflow. And I I've spoken here before, and I grew up in the ministry of, of Josh and Leslie at, at uh, LifeGate Church in El Paso in the youth ministry, and so we've been long-term friends, and they kind of shared the vision, and, and we decided God was calling us up here to come be the family pastors, and so I'm just really grateful, really honored to have this uh, microphone today to be able to share with you guys, and I don't take it lightly, and so just appreciate that. Josh wasn't supposed to be here today, but they've been fighting some sickness and stuff in their family, and so we're just believing for healing for that. But um, he's here, and so I feel really nervous. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I'm going to pray real quick, and we'll get into my notes here. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that you're good, that you're real, that you're more real than we could possibly imagine, and that you really want to encounter people in their day-to-day lives, as they step out in faith. Just pray, God, that um, your words would just ring true in people's hearts today, God, that it would impact people, and that you just help me communicate and share uh, this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So point number one that I wanted to talk about is um, stepping out in faith is really stepping out in love. Um, Ephesians 5.1 It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. And so it says that we should be imitators of God and that we should walk in love. And that's our privilege as believers, every single one of us, whether you volunteer at a church, whether you're on staff at a church or whether, you know, you're just holding a, a regular 9-to-5 job, or you have to uh, um, go to school, or you're working at Taco Bell, whatever's going on, God wants you to imitate him and to walk in love. And you can do that everywhere you go and anywhere you go, because it doesn't require uh, a seminary degree to do that. 
And uh, in Genesis 1.26, it talks about how we're created in the image of God. And in 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love. And so we were created to walk in love. We were created in the image of God. God is love, and that's what we're created to look like. But in the beginning, um, Adam and Eve, they dropped the ball. They, they failed. And so love, a lot of times, is nothing what we look like. But that's what God wants to restore in us, is the ability to walk in love everywhere we go, to always have more to give, to have a river inside of us of God's love that overflows and that pours out to people everywhere and anywhere. And so point number two that I wanted to make is that we step out in faith because we are imitators of Jesus. Um, Imitating God means imitating Jesus because he's the image of God. Um, He's what God looks like. You know, you, you can't get a better picture of who God is than by opening up the gospels and just reading and just gazing at the man, Jesus. He's beautiful. He's glorious. And when you look at him, you see, wow, this is, this is who God is. This is what God is like. It, he's God with skin on. In Colossians 1.15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the for, firstborn over all creation. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So he's what God looks like, you know. Nobody has ever, ever seen God, but when we see Jesus, we see what God is like. And uh, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he only did what he saw the Father doing. It says that in John five nineteen, Jesus answers and he says to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does, the Son also does in like manner. And so Jesus did whatever the Father was doing. That's what he saw. He saw it, and he did it. And so to imitate Jesus is to imitate God. And so we are going to step out in faith more um, today and every day because we are going to imitate Jesus. Um, so kind of a sub-point to, to point two is letter A. And I want to talk about imitating Jesus in, in uh, healing, healing the sick. Um, those with pain, those with sickness, those that have injuries. In Luke 4, uh, verse 40, it says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And so you see this over and over in the gospel. It talks about where Jesus is they're ministering to a crowd or a large group of people, and it never says... Jesus healed a couple of them. It always says that Jesus healed them all. And this is what we see over and over again. He never told anyone, you know, I'm sorry, it's just not your time today. Um, You know, come back tomorrow, we can try again. Or that, you know, hey, this is a test. I'm really, what I'm trying to do is establish your faith and just just wait, just hold on. You need to bear, bear through this. He always healed. And Jesus reveals God's will for healing. So the reason why kind of, you know, growing up for me, I I prayed for a lot of sick people, but it was more like, um, hey, God, if it's your will, would you please heal them? Or, you know, hey, just kind of begging God, like, God, please heal this person. 
But I didn't really believe that. I didn't really, I wasn't sure, like, is God going to heal them or not? I didn't know. It was kind of a question in my heart. But when I learned who Jesus was and the character of Jesus and that Jesus reveals the Father, then I began to have faith that God actually wanted to heal. Because it's hard to have faith for something if you don't know whether or not it's God's will. Um, so we step out in faith for healing and pray, pray for healing because we are confident it's God's will. Um, like I said, it's hard to have faith for something if we're not even sure if God wants to do it. And so believing God is good and that he wants to heal opens the door for us to have faith in stepping out to pray for those in need of healing. In Mark 16, uh, verse 17 through 18, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so about, um, I don't know how long ago, probably like five or six years ago, I've been trying to, to step out a bit more and pray for healing more. And then I, I discovered these films um, by a guy named Darren Wilson. They're out in the lobby, actually, uh, for sale here. And I think you guys have, have shown a couple of his movies. But um, the one I saw was Furious Love. There's all kinds of cool stuff that God does in there through healing and stuff. And then I saw another one called Father of Lights. And there was this guy on there, Todd White. And he was talking about this verse. These signs will follow those that believe. They'll, they'll heal the sick. And he said, you know, this is for everybody. This is for anybody. Because signs follow just normal, everyday believers. And you see, I grew up, I was kind of waiting and waiting and waiting for, you know, one day the, the super anointed apostle is going to come and lay his hands on me and I'm going to receive the anointing and I'm going to be able to do the stuff that Jesus did. I was always waiting for something, waiting for the next level, waiting for the next um, anointing. But signs follow just ordinary, regular believers that are willing to step out in faith and they follow you if you're a believer. And so God will begin to work through simple believers as they step out in faith. It's just, it's not just for the super anointed, super Christian. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So Jesus told his disciples to teach their disciples to observe everything that he had commanded them. And part of that is healing. Part of that is his healing ministry that he sent them out in. And so that comes down, you know, they taught their disciples, and now it comes down to us, through time to us. So we have been past the baton of Jesus' healing ministry, and the ball's in our court. And if we want to see an increase of healing, if we want to see an increase of activity in our city, in Dallas-Fort Worth, um, then we have to be the ones to step out and, and begin to take steps of faith to take risks for God's kingdom. So point B um, is imitating Jesus in hearing God's voice. So it's not just healing, but it's also God wants to communicate with people. You know, so, so many people think God is silent or God only communicates through the written word. But God is also speaking personally to, to regular, ordinary believers. And he wants to communicate through you 
God's heart for others. A lot of people are looking for even just a simple word from God. You know, they feel lonely. They feel like, like God doesn't hear, hear their prayers. They feel like God isn't present. But if you learn to hear him, even in just a small way, you can be one of those that communicates God's heart for people, and you can change the atmosphere wherever you go. I'm going to read a big chunk of text here, and it's this story um, in the very beginning of the Gospel of John in chapter 1, uh, 43 through 49. It says, The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So Jesus, in this text, um, he gives Nathanael some really simple divine information. Just a couple of things. He says, Nathanael, you're the type of person that's trustworthy. You're without deceit. And then he, he says, you know, before Philip um, ever called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And so just these two, two things, you know, it wasn't like, hey, this is your home address and your social security number. It was just two really simple things. But this revelation from heaven that Jesus had for Nathaniel, it changed Nathaniel's heart from skepticism about Jesus. You know, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, is, is this guy really legit? And it shifted it to wholehearted belief where he was declaring, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And so when we dial in to the voice of God and, and we take risks of faith, like, hey, God, what do you have for this person? We just kind of be quiet on the inside and just see if any thoughts come to our mind. You know, a lot of people are looking for this huge booming voice from heaven. Like, thus saith the Lord, that lady needs a new back or thus saith the Lord she's going to college right now studying nursing but a lot of times that's not how it happens at all it's just inside inside your mind you this thought just comes or a picture you know you're standing in front of someone and you just see her like helping with kids or or um helping in the medical field or you just have a sense that and she probably needs healing for something and so you those thoughts just come to your head and the only way to learn God's voice is to take a risk and to ask that person, like, hey, by any chance, um, is your back hurting right now? And, they, and then there's two options. They can say yes or no. And if they say yes, then you say, wow, that's awesome because, you know, I just was kind of um, asking God about you, and I felt like I heard that in my heart. Or you don't even have to say that. You can just say, yeah, I felt that for you. Is there something I can do real quick? And they'll say, yeah, and, and you can say, well, give me your hand, and then just pray for him. Just a five-second prayer, you know, pain get out in Jesus' name. And then the next step of, of, of faith, the next risk you can take is to not just pray for them, but, but ask them, like, hey, 
does it feel any different? Is there any way you could test it and see if it felt different? Because that's another a risk that you take, and it activates faith. And so then they have to actually try it out, see if it feels different. And a lot of times you'll discover, wow, God actually did something. Like, there's actual change. There's actual relief from pain. Or sometimes, wow, it's completely gone. It's completely different. But if we never do that, if we never take those steps of faith, then we'll never have those stories to share. We'll never have that fruit um, of healing to bring to Jesus and say, hey, this person encountered you today because I was willing to look a little foolish. And then the other option is they say no. And so then you run away scared and you never try it again. No, I'm just kidding. So then what you can do is you can say, wow, well, is there anything I can pray for you? And so either way, it's a win-win, you know. If it, if it didn't land, you learn, like, hey, that wasn't God. So I'm going to try again next time and try to figure out what's his voice and what's just my thoughts. And so you learn. That's a positive thing about, about failing is that you learn. And then the other thing is that still, someone can still have an encounter with Jesus. Some of my best encounters that people have had um, through my everyday life has just been through failed words of knowledge, like, Man, that totally was wrong, but is there anything I can pray for you? Like, I'm still learning to hear God's voice, and, and it's still something I need to grow in. But is there anything that you need? And then you just have this conversation with that person. You minister to them, and they have an encounter with Jesus anyway. And so uh, hearing God's voice communicates heaven's perspective to people. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 3, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So prophecy communicates heaven's perspective. Um, It calls them up into their destiny. It edifies people. It builds them up. It exhorts them. It calls them higher. Um, It comforts them. It brings hope and peace. And we can all operate in these gifts as we walk in love and desire them. Like it says, it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And so God is a good gift giver. And he's not like, like trying to get you to ask for something that he's going to withhold from you. And so God wouldn't tell you to desire something that he won't give you. So I just encourage you desire that desire. Like, God, I want to hear your voice for people. God, make me a better witness. Make me a sharper, a sharper tool in your, in your tool belt that I can touch people with the love of Jesus by hearing your voice. Sharpen me. Make me better at hearing you. Um, 1 Corinthians 12.8 says, For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So a word of wisdom um, is heaven's wisdom for a situation or a person. Like there's been a, a, a few times in my life where somebody's been really desperate and they really need some wisdom. And so I just ask God, like, God, I don't know what to tell them, but is there like some direction or like some hint that you can give me? And so, you know, I've had like, like I remember one time this guy was in desperate need of a job and I just saw him um, like laying pipe. And so I was like, hey, have you ever done construction? And he was like, yeah, I just feel like that God's going to open up a door in that area. So like maybe you can kind of search and see if there's any any construction openings. So it ended up working out for him. It was really, really awesome. So that's just a word of wisdom. It's uh, wisdom for a situation or a person. And then a word of knowledge um, is information you had no way of knowing that opens the door to people's hearts to receive from Jesus. 
And so a lot of times for me, um, I'll just be kind of meeting somebody new or maybe it's a stranger sitting next to me or a waitress at our table when we're out to eat. And I'll just be asking God, like, God, um, is there anything that you have for her? And so something will pop in my head, like, either about um, information about that person, like, oh, this person's in school and they're pursuing this degree, or, um, like, something physical that they need healing for, like, oh, like, all of a sudden I'll feel, like, a tinge in my back, and I'll be like, oh, they might need prayer for healing for their back. And so this just happened um, last Sunday. We went out to On the Border. Um, The Smiths invited us, and we had this awesome waitress. She was doing a great job. But whether she's doing a great job or not, like, Jesus still loves her and wants to touch her. So I encourage you, like, don't tip people based on their performance. Tip based on the grace that God has given you and, like, share the gospel and the love of Jesus with them. But she was doing awesome. So anyway, I was just asking God, like, hey, do you have anything for her? And um, I just felt like like something was up with her back. And so it was getting kind of late, and we had to drive to my mom's in Oklahoma, like a five-hour drive. But a lot of times, you know, we're in a big hurry to get nowhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're so important. <laughs> we're so important. Like, we have to be places, and we don't have time to, to love anybody or, or to be patient or wait on the Lord. So instead of getting impatient, I, like, I just decided to, to dial in and ask her. So um, I asked her, like, hey, by chance, do you have any, anything wrong with your back? Do you have any back pain? And she was like, yeah, it's hurting right here. It's like, can I pray for you real quick? I'm just a believer in Jesus. And we've been seeing a lot of people uh, feel better when we pray. And so she said, yeah. So we prayed for her back. Um, I forget where the pain level was at, but after we prayed, there was no more pain. And so a lot of times um, when I first started praying for people, I would, I would ask them like, hey, does it feel better? And they would say, yeah. There wasn't like any way to like have a scale to judge. So one tool you can use is just say, like, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being no pain, 10 being, you know, giving birth, uh, where is your pain level? And if they say 7, then you can just say 7 go to 0 in Jesus' name when you pray for him. And ask him, hey, does it feel any different? Is it still a 7? And they'll say, a lot of times you'll find that it'll, it'll go instantly. They'll be like, no, now it's completely gone. It's a 0. Or it'll, it'll get a little better. So it'll be like a 5 or a 4. And then that's awesome. You have it's like you've you've uh, got a little bit of a a wedge in. Like wow, it's gotten a little better. That's amazing. So you can just pray again. You can say, okay, let's pray one more time. As long as it's getting better, let's keep praying and just pray again and say, you know, four go to zero in Jesus' name, and then have them test it again. A lot of times you'll see it completely go or go down a little bit more, and then you can pray one more time until it's completely gone. And so that's what we do a lot. But in this instance. Um, it left completely. So that was really awesome. And so I just like started talking to her a little more and I said, Hey, you know, this is Jesus that did this for you. And what it means is that he's inviting you into relationship with him. And I just asked her like, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And she was like, no, not really. And so we ended up being able to pray together and she received the Lord, uh, right there and on the border, got to invite her here and just bless her. So it was really awesome. But um, if I hadn't been asking God for something for her, if I had been in a big hurry, like none of that would ever happen. So I just encourage you, 
to look at other people first, to not be self-focused, um, but to be others-focused. And if you can just stop for one, one person, you know, whenever you're out in public, just look for one person to bless, one person to give a hug to and tell them Jesus loves them, one person to pray for. You know, you don't need a word of knowledge. If you see somebody with a cane or somebody with a wrist brace or somebody with a back brace, that's a word of knowledge that they need healing. So just encourage you, like, man, maybe you don't feel like you can hear from God, but just act on the first thought that comes to your head and and start asking people on those things, and God will start speaking to you more. And in the meantime, just look for practical needs to meet. Um, God wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to walk in healing, and you can do it. Um, Bill Johnson says, we owe the world an encounter with Jesus. Like, we have so much talk about God and so much um, complicated theology, but people really want just a simple encounter. That's what their heart really desires. And so I just encourage you, um, be the one that through you, they can have an encounter with Jesus. In John 10, verse 5 and verse 27, Jesus is talking and he says, yet they, they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not follow the voice of strangers. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so there's two uh, primary voices besides your own, your own thoughts or your own voice that you hear. And there's God's voice and there's the stranger's voice, the enemy's voice. But you can learn to hear God's voice, to listen to him, Because it says right here that everybody that follows Jesus, everybody that's in Jesus' fold, hears his voice. Um, Letter C, imitating Jesus, acts of compassion or acts of love. Uh, In Matthew 9, 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so Jesus' motivator, when he looked out at the crowds, when he looked at people, was compassion. It was love for people. So healing is an act of love. Hearing God's voice is an act of love. Um, But also there's just regular needs that people have that you can meet to show God's love to them. So in Luke 6, 35 and 38, it says, Love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Like, isn't that amazing? God is kind to the evil. Like, a lot of times our, our picture of God is an angry God. But God's kindness extends even to those who who are actively engaged in evil. And God wants you to use, God wants to use you to reach them through his love. So it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so this verse isn't just for for giving at church. It isn't just for tithes and offerings. Although that's awesome. We want to do that more and more. We want to be generous at church, but it's also for out, outside of the church. God wants you to, to give. He wants you to give with good measure. And so um, we can give to people 
without any motivation or expectation of getting any, anything in return. And so this can range from giving money. Like, you know, if you're at a restaurant, try it out a few times. Try, um, take whatever your bill is and just double it and make that your tip. Um, it'll definitely make you eat out a lot less, which is good. Um, you know, if you have it, just try it. Try being generous. Or just do, do more than you're, you usually do. Um, giving food away, giving clothes away. You know, going through your closet, seeing what's extra that you, don't, that you haven't worn and, and give it to somebody. Um, go through your house. Look at, you know, things you haven't used in, in, in about a year and, and just think, wow, do I really need this? And find somebody you can bless with it. And it's also just being generous um, with yourself. You know, it's smiling at people looking them in the eye, asking how they are, um, listening to their problems. People are actually really lonely. And a lot of times, as, as Western Christians, we think, you know, if I try to talk to somebody about Jesus, like, they're, they're going to be bothered by me. I'm going to annoy them. But if you listen to them, if you, if you minister to their need and, and, and their problems, like, man, they're going to be so thankful. They're going to be so receptive. Um, so listen to them. Give them a hug. And Luke 16, 9 says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. And so if we use our resources, not just to um, benefit ourselves, but to benefit others, then we're going to win friends and we're going to be able to point them to Jesus. Um, if we take less for ourselves so we can give more, then people will see Christ through us and they will desire Christ. Uh, I heard Bill Johnson say this once. He said, every dollar bill is a soldier we can send out to crush hell. And it's true. Like you have a dollar bill in your hand. You can either use it, um, like if it's extra, you can either use it for yourself or you can use it to crush hell by being generous and give it to somebody else. Um, Number three, stepping out in faith may require us to look foolish. But looking foolish is the privilege of lovers. Um, if you've ever had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or husband or wife, or maybe just been in like a group of friends or had a best friend, and you're out in public, maybe you were young and you're just acting goofy, you're acting foolish. Um, or maybe you made it a big scene to express your love for someone. Or uh, parents, if your child is in danger, it does not matter what people think of you in that moment. You don't care how, late, how loud or crazy you look. You're willing to go into any situation and rescue them. And so love, lovers are willing to look foolish because we're more concerned with the person that we love, with the people that we love, than our own safety, than our own comfort, than our own respectability. Luke 6, 22 says, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you, and when they cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Um, if we aren't willing to step out now in America, where it's pretty easy, guys, I mean, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, all, all, these, all the times I've, I've stepped out, you know, hundreds of times, I've maybe been made fun of like two or three times, a handful of times that I can remember. Um, other times it's just been like, no, and they just walk away. And that's not really that, that much of a danger. 
So if we're not willing to do that now when there's not that much persecution, like how are we going to be able to stand when real persecution comes? So I just encourage us, like, let's start stepping out now. Let's be willing to look a little foolish now, and we'll be ready for whatever comes next. But you're never condemned by God for not stepping out, because what's going to happen after this message is, like, you're going to be out somewhere, and you're going to be like, oh, I should pray for that one. And you're going you're gonna to do it sometimes, but then some of the time you're going to be like, oh, I didn't do it. The opportunity passed. And then you're going to be like, oh, I'm terrible. But that's not true. Like, you're not condemned for not stepping out. But the thing is that God is always ready for the next time. He's always ready to meet you on your next try. And the persecution thing isn't an excuse, you know, to be obnoxious, to be mean-spirited. We can't be, like super obnoxious to people and annoying to them. And then when they get mad at us, call that persecution. Like we got to honor people. We got to honor people's workplaces. You know, if you're praying for your waitress, make it short, like honor her time. If you're praying for a cashier, like honor them. If the manager's around, ask the manager first before you uh, pray for one of the employees. So just be honoring, be, be loving to people around you. Care about what's happening. Number four, uh, what if I step out in faith and I fail? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, it says love never fails. So there you go. Yeah. Sermon over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you do what you do in love, <clears throat> it's never a failure. I've prayed for lots and lots of people. Majority of the time, they are usually thankful. They're usually happy I prayed for them. Even if they aren't healed, even if the word was wrong, because I, I love them, and I, I uh, bless them, I encourage them. And people want to be loved. They want to feel the love of Jesus. And so I just encourage you, get, get past those thoughts of, oh, man, they're going to dislike this, or they're going to reject me. Like, it's okay. Um, if you leave them feeling loved and cared for, it's never a failure. And when I have had people, like, totally reject me and just walk away, the, in that moment, you have an option Am I going to be offended or am I going to still love them? So what I do is I just let them walk away and I just pray for them on the inside. Like, God, touch them, like, heal them. And just stay in faith that God will. Like, and you don't know, walking out the door, that um, problem that you were praying for all of a sudden is better. And then they have to deal with that. You know, they have to go home and talk to to Jesus about that. And so uh, if you step out with a word of knowledge or a prophecy, and it doesn't land, don't can get condemned or self-conscious. Just own up and ask the person if there's anything you can pray for them. Uh, share the love of Jesus with them. If I get a word wrong, I usually say, oh, I'm, st- uh, I'm sorry, I'm still learning to hear God's voice. Um, is there anything you need prayer for? And I've never had anyone say no. They, they usually come up with something they, they need prayer for, and it opens the door for ministry. Um. Another way we can imitate Jesus is by pushing to failure. A lot of people that uh, do weightlifting tell me I don't do weightlifting. Uh, You lift as much as you can until you can't lift anymore. And when you get to that point of failure, that's when you build muscle. So over time, pushing to failure again and again, you get stronger and stronger. And the next time you have more muscle to give, you can lift more. So instead of seeing it as a failure when you don't see someone healed or don't get an accurate word, see it as a success 
you have learned to discern God's voice more accurately and you have grown in faith. Those faith muscles are building up and you're growing. Um, another thing is in Mark eleven twenty three. it says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So growing up praying, like I told you earlier, like a lot of times it was just me begging God to do something. But that if you look at the prayers of Jesus, the prayers of the disciples in the book of Acts, whenever they're praying for healing, you'll find out real quick, they're very short prayers and they're not really asking so much as telling something to happen. So when we pray for healing, we simply speak to the mountain, tell it to move and expect a result. And so how that looks practically, you know, if someone, whether it's a a pain in their body, a sickness, a disease, you speak to that pain, you say, pain get out in Jesus' name. You know, wrist be healed, back be healed. And then expect God to do something. Ask him if it's different. And I promise you, if you begin to pray this way, you'll begin to see a lot more results um, because you're activating your own faith that God's actually gonna show up when you speak to this issue. Number five, what if I don't feel worthy to step out? Um, Some people kind of live without any expectation of God doing anything through them. And it's because they think they aren't worthy. They haven't earned it. But the truth is that Jesus earned it for you at the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when you believe on Christ, you exchange your old self for a new self. This new self was created in the image of God, as God intended from the beginning. Like we said before, we were created for love. We were created to walk in love. When Jesus died on the cross, who we used to be died with him. And just like he was resurrected, we're raised up as a brand new person. In exchange for our sin, we receive his righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. It's the ability to stand before God with a clean conscience. Just stand before him and say, thank you, God, for what you're building in me. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life. Thank you that you made me clean. It's without guilt, shame, or condemnation. We are justified by God. Justified means just as if I never sinned. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we have to live our life by faith. We have to apply faith not just to healing or words, from God and not just to our finances or or our job, but we also have to apply it to our own righteousness, to what God did for us on the cross. Um, It's not just for miracles, not just for financial breakthrough. We have to apply it to our identity, to who we are in Christ. We have to believe that it's really true, that Jesus really wiped out all of our past and that we really are brand new in Christ. So we don't become more righteous by condemning ourselves We can only walk in the righteousness that Jesus already provided for us. And we do that uh, by believing he gave us a new heart. And if we do stumble into any area of weakness, we immediately get back on track. You know, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till 10 minutes from now. 
If you mess up, right then and there, thank God for his forgiveness, for his mercy. Thank him that that isn't you anymore. And don't believe the lie that that's who you are because it's not. Um, You'll start seeing God everywhere as you realize more and more who you are in him and what he's doing in you. You know, growing up when I would mess up, I would read the Bible and I would feel condemned like, oh man, I messed up. This is saying I shouldn't do that and I did that or whatever. So what you do when you read the Bible is you see something that's in there. You aren't measuring up to it. So you just feel like closing it. You don't want to read. You don't want to get closer to God. But that's the opposite of how you should approach the Bible. Uh, When you see something in there that, that you're not lining up with, begin to thank God for building that inside of you. If you see, you know, in there it says slow to anger and you've been feeling like, oh man, I've been quick to anger lately. Like just begin to thank God. God, I thank you for building patience in me, for building gentleness, for building kindness. Thank you that I'm not going to walk in short-temperedness, but I'm going to walk in love. And when you begin to do that with the Bible, God's voice begins to become something that's not just outside and in that Bible, but it becomes something inside that defines who you are. So read the Bible to see who God is and who you are in him. Take the scripture, read it back to God, and thank him for building it in you. Apply faith to God making you new. Don't live in condemnation. Live in faith for transformation. In Ephesians 1, I'm just going to use this as as an example uh, for a scripture that you could read back to God. The whole chapter, first three chapters of Ephesians are great for that. Uh, But in Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what I would do is just read that and say, God, I thank you that you're my Father. Thank you that you're kind to me, that you care for me. And it says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So I would say, God, I thank you that I have everything I need in you, that I'm not lacking anything, that you're building me up. And then in verse four, it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So I would say, Father, thank you for choosing me. It doesn't matter whether anybody else chooses me, whether I get noticed in my job or work or school, whether my parents wanted me or didn't want me, you choose me. You chose me before time even began. And it says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So I just turn to God and say, thank you, God, for making me blameless, for making me holy through the blood of Jesus. Thank you that I'm righteous in your sight. And if you'll do that, if you'll take the scripture, pray it back to God and believe God that he's doing it in you, then you're gonna see that transformation in yourself. And so I just want to share a couple more stories and we'll close here. Um, when we first started getting into praying for people and stuff like that, we helped bring this conference to um, El Paso. And one of the requirements of the conference is that you had to go out and pray for people in between sessions. And so this was kind of my first time going and doing this with a team. But we went to the mall. We prayed for lots of people. But one thing in particular that was really awesome, and everything's awesome, whether it's a headache that gets healed or... You just tell somebody Jesus loves them, but, you know, some things stick out more. Is that there was this man, and in one of his eyes, he was like 80% blind. And so he could see just like dark and light, and that was about it. And uh, me and my friends prayed for him, and we just told it like three or four times. You know, the first couple times we prayed, nothing happened. We were like, okay, 80%. 
go to 0%. You know, let him see 100%. Nothing happened. So we prayed again. Nothing happened. So we prayed again. He's like, well, you know, I think maybe I can see a little better. So we prayed again. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it seems like things are getting brighter. Like I can kind of make out shapes and stuff. So we prayed again and again. And then he started reading the signs that were far away. Like he said, oh, that's McDonald's. And we were like, yes. And we just started like jumping up and down and clapping. And we got to share the gospel with him. And so, you know, that same day when we, after we saw that, there was also some deaf uh, people that I saw, like some teenagers kind of hanging out. And I saw they were all signing. I didn't, didn't know sign language, so I wrote a note like, hey, would it be okay if I pray for you? And they like totally shut me down. They said no. And so... It's like, okay, so I just kind of prayed for them as I left. But then, like, if I had never taken that risk of trying to pray for for people that are deaf, I would have never later on seen other deaf people healed. Um, We did this outreach in El Paso where we got a bunch of Christian tattoo artists. And I realize this is controversial, but it is what it is. And uh, they all decided to give free cross tattoos away on Christmas and on Easter. So they're doing this every year now. They give free cross tattoos away on Christmas and Easter. And then while the people are getting tattooed, they share the gospel with them. They pray for healing. And God does amazing things. Well, there was this woman that went there. And people were telling her, oh, this Sean guy, he prays for healing. Like, let him pray for you when when he gets here. And so she was like already an expectation and faith. And it was just really awesome. And so uh, I got there. They're like, hey, can you pray for this lady? Um one of her ears is deaf. So we, we, I put my hands on her, my friends and I, we prayed for her. And I had never seen this happen before in public. Like I've seen people fall over in church and stuff, but she like stepped back and started falling down. And somebody had to catch her. And she was like, I have to go inside. So she went inside and she's like, it's just so loud now. Like she got full restoration in that ear, like in an instant. And it was just amazing. But if I had never um, went through times of rejection, if I had never started praying for, for the deaf, like I never would have saw that ear healed. So I just encourage you, like it's okay to get rejected and to keep going for it and you'll, and you'll see it.